0: Journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at one PM for the Trip of a Lifetime. Shalom and Shanataba to everybody. Out there. Um, I hope everybody had a meaningful and uh, interesting Hashanah. I've gotta tell you I'm pretty ambivalent about what happened at the Hashanah. First, I thought that Mashiach is definitely arriving on Rosh Hashanah because from around about 7 in the morning till about 2, 3 in the afternoon, wherever I found myself in my house, I could hear the wafting of a shofar blowing happening. It was actually quite incredible. Um, and that was like really, really interesting for me. And um, at one point in time, my husband and I uh, went onto the pavement and my husband blew Shofar for the residents in our streets, and then we took a walk down to blow shofar elsewhere, and um, it made for a very, very interesting Rosh Hashanah. Um, I have to say, I think that we really, really got rid of all the stresses that we normally deal with when we when when that big yontif comes along, and they stresses that are self imposed, stresses such as. Um, you're having forty people for dinner, and you know the stress of having to have all the the right things and the right salads and the right desserts and and where everybody is sitting and and all of that stress kind of like just dissipated into nothingness. I think at best people had their families over, direct families, which was that was very, very nice to sit down again more as a a cohesive family. Um, I know that I sat with my my children and my grandchildren, and that really, really made a world of difference. And um, we didn't have the stress of what are we going to wear, and uh, did, how many outfits did we get so that, you know, when we, we arrive at Shul, everybody can look and be the part. All of those external stresses disappeared. And um, I think it was a far more internal Rosh Hashanah for for many, many people, where you really could sit down and you could concentrate on really what Rosh Hashanah is all about, and that is just connecting to God, our King, and for us to understand that uh God is is really writing down what will be for the next year. I think the the downside or the other side, I don't know if it's so 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 down. Um, I was speaking to somebody today and they, you know, we were saying, How was your Rosh Hashanah? And I said it's the first Rosh Hashanah. That I have, I, 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 have sat there and thought to myself, life is so uncertain. I could not project what it was going to be like by Rosh Hashanah next year. In yontav has gone past, in Rosh Hashanah's gone past, you pray to God for what it is that you need. And you've got a a plan moving forward, and you're doing this in November and this in January, and we don't forget that in March, and you know, don't you know, there's that in July to look after, and we kind of like had, well, I certainly for myself, a view of where we would be in the next year, and I think this whole COVID-19 has really, really changed things in that it's created a sense of uncertainty. There certainly is an amount, a lot of turbulence in the world right now. And, uh, I kind of had to re-change my compass and re- look at things in a very, very different way. So what I thought today, instead of going through biblical text as we normally do, and as we are want to do very, very importantly, is to have a discussion with you about the world in general and where does it fit into what we learn in the Bible, we know that there is an adage, particularly when it comes to the book of Bereshit, but everywhere else as well, that What our forefathers did was a sign. It was important for what will happen in the future for the children. And I think we are seeing this very much as something that is happening right now before us. So the lines are open, Three, four, five, one, nine. Um, Telegram 061-895-1019 I'm going to give you some ideas We'd love to have a conversation So please join that conversation How did you feel this Rosh Hashanah And do you think that we are living In biblical prophetic times Or is it just Yes, another day in the life of Planet Earth Hi FM Your station of choice since 2008 Welcome back, and it's Adol Kozlowski in the seat, and we're going to have an interesting conversation today, and I'd love you to join 34519 Today I'm going to be taking you on a journey of the Bible, but a journey a little bit different, a little bit off the track. We're not going to be looking into the verses of the Torah that we're normally, we'll pick that up again. please, God in the coming weeks. But I thought that since we have just finished Rosh Hashanah, and it was a quite a strange Rosh Hashanah, I think, for most people that, that I've been speaking to, is just to actually reset our compass and ask ourselves, are we living in biblical prophecy? Is there something strange or different happening in the world this year? Is this year different to all other years? Um, as I'm saying that I laugh, when we sat down on Friday night as a family for the first time in six months, um, one of the family members cooked, maybe we should start Pesach and start asking the four questions, you know, so we can just actually catch up everything, uh, that, 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 that we missed out. But then again, everybody was re- quite hungry and just happy to dip the apple in the honey and go straight for, straight to the food, then have a four hour discussion over the Haggadah. So let's talk about where we are right now, based on the adage, as I said before the break, of Mase avot what happened to our forefathers is a sign that will um, happen to our, to the children, to the to the descendants of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. I've spoken about this a lot on many many forums, but I think it's important to understand and perhaps to el- elaborate more, um, since you know there isn't such a time constraint that. In essence, we understand that the Torah is a blueprint. It's the architectural plans for the world. And everything that, uh, unfolds in front of us is in fact written in the Torah. And there is much to be, to be said about learning the Torah on many, many, many levels. And that is why it is something, it is a study amongst uh, Jews that one never tires of, one never graduates from. Yes, you can be called a rabbi, maybe you can be called a dayan, you can be called a boki, which is a, a person who is really erudite in a certain area. But we just go cyclical. Every year we come back to the same parasha, to the same point in time, to the same yom tab, to the same idea. Why? Because we believe in an infinite loop, meaning we're looping through the various cycles of the world and coming back to the same place and same time, but on a completely different different level. And we are relearning and learning and relearning things as we go along. Now, as a scholar of the Bible, and as most of you who know a lot about Chumash um, particularly, we will know that lots of things that we see happening particularly to our forefathers, with things that happened much later on in history. For example, we have the idea of Abraham, which we have discussed on the show many, many podcasts back, where he went through a covenant with God called Brit Ben-Haptarim. Now that Brit Ben-Haptarim, a covenant between the parts, was where God actually gave him a prophecy about what would happen to his children and about the various exiles that the, the, the children of Israel would go through. Um, There have been times where we have seen things happening to a person, a particular forefather or biblical character, and that was just a microcosm. It was like a, a, a condensed energy form of what would happen macrocosmically. And so today I wanted to discuss two ideas that happened during biblical times. We've actually just finished studying one. We're going to be coming up to studying another, and that is the relationship that Abraham <clears throat> and his son Isaac had with their two sons. And I'm not talking about the direct lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the fact that Abraham had Isaac and Ishmael, and Yitzhak had Jacob and Esau. Only Jacob, the third of the forefathers, had 12 sons that all continued in the lineage of the Jewish people. But with the other two forefathers, they had other children who became very great nations in and of themselves, not following the Jewish lineage, but following another lineage. And what is that? It's very well known that Esau, Esau, who was a twin to Yaakov, he became... Part of um, of the 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 nation of what was then to be called Edom, Edom and um, the Edomites became the civilized world, the Western world, and the Christian world as we know it today. So, if we had to look in biblical biblical history and say where did the Christian world come from, yes, it was formalized. Maybe 2,000 2000 odd years ago But certainly the Semitic world Finds its roots in Esav Yaakov's twin brother And then if we go back even a step When we come to Abraham We know, as we have learned The story of Abraham taking Hagar And the maidservant of Sarah, as a wife And giving birth to Ishmael And Ishmael Um, landed up fathering the entire Arab world as we know it. And so if you actually want to look on a 50,000-foot level and zoom in, of where did we all come from? Well, yes, we all did come from Adam and Eve, but where did we diversify? Well, it certainly was at the point of Abraham and Isaac. The The diversification happened in that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob continued the lineage of the Jewish people, Ishmael then made the entire Middle Eastern Arab world And Edom became then the father of the many, many countries And and, um, people that what we now call the Western world Or the Christian world There is another whole area um, Which I'm not going to discuss right now But that, and maybe you're just thinking about it So I'm just going to drop it in Um, The Eastern religions And that really is something that also comes from Abraham. It says that after Sarah died, Abraham married a person called Keturah. Some people go and say that uh, Keturah was in fact Hagar. But I'm not going to get into that exactly right now. You're going to have to hang on and listen to the podcast every single week as we go through the Bible itself. But uh, Keturah had—he uh, had, some say he had another ten children, and when they left, he gave them gifts. And uh, the 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 um, Kabbalists teach us that those gifts were the the gifts that the Eastern religions um, have today, and so we have that whole that whole area. But I want to focus on the main three. The main three being the Jewish people, the Arab world, and the Christian world. And let's understand what happened then biblically and bring it now today and see if we can find any type of correlation to what we are experiencing today in today's world. I FM one hundred and one point nine megahertz of life. Welcome back, and we are gonna have a discussion about does biblical prophecy, does biblical um events um affect what is happening in the world today? Please join the conversation three four five one nine or 8951019. Right. So let's look at the three the, the the three children, or the three nations that came from for Father Abraham, the Arab world, the Christian world, and the Jewish world. Now, what is very very interesting is that in the beginning of of, of the Genesis of the Jewish people, we see that both um, the sons, the son of Abraham and his grandson Asab, they both turn out to be um, wild people, as the as the Bible calls him, people of the fields, people who indulged in the physical materiality of this world and who didn't beat the same drum of what Abraham was looking for in this world. And we know, and we've learned this already. That at one point in time, Abraham, on the request of his wife, Sarah, and on the uh, stamp of approval from God, who said you should listen to your wife, Sarah, he has to chase Ishmael out of the house because of the bad influence that he was bringing in on his surroundings. Similarly, when it comes to Esau, Esau is a very physical man, a ruddy man, and um, he enjoys the physical pleasures of this world, and his mother, Rivka picks up that that is not conducive uh, to, again, the, the lifestyle that, that they were trying to build. And in fact, in this case, he tell, she tells the other son, Yaakov, run away, for your brother is wanting to kill you, simply because what happened at the end, there was a deception, and Yaakov um, gets the blessings from his father Isaac to be the dominant one in the world. Correctly so, because Esav, in a heated moment, sold his birthright, but Esav didn't really understand that, and so he made it his business to go out and kill Jacob. And so Jacob flees, and he goes back to Mesopotamia, back to his uh, grandfather's house, where he um, marries Leah and Rachel, etc., etc. And for all that time, Jacob is nervous that, that Asaph is going to come and kill him. And so there is this tenuous relationship between Isaac and Ishmael and Jacob and Asaph. And at the whole time, there is this, this destructiveness around them that, that, that seems, um, unreconcilable. But if one follows what happens with both these, uh, <coughs> these sons, you will see that there comes a point in time where they both turn around and they actually come back into the fold, meaning they come back and they realign themselves with the vision of Abraham, which is a world of honesty, integrity, friendship, brotherhood, um, one God and everybody working together. That happens around about um, towards the end of Abraham's life. It says that Yishmael is uh, Yishmael um, does repentance and he actually returns back to his father's home, and we can see that when Abraham dies and it talks about the funeral of Abraham, it says that Yitzchak and Yishmael buried him, and the commentators there go and say that you can see it says first Yitzchak then Yishmael to show that the the brothers had reconciled, and the fact is that Yishmael acquiesced and stood in reverence of Yitzchak being the heir to Abraham's vision of the world. Similarly, when it comes to Esau, Esau was looking to kill his brother. Yaakov, after many, many years, decides to leave Laban, leave Mesopotamia, and come back with his wives, with his children, with all the wealth he had accumulated. And on his way home, he hears that Esau is coming to meet him. He only had one vision of Esau, and that was that his brother was out to kill him. Here he comes again, he's going to have to confront um, the negativity of Esau. And so Jacob goes through a whole lot of uh, uh, motions in order to to save himself. Number one, he tries to appease Esau by sending people forward, some say it was angels, with gifts, thinking that, well, if he is a a physical person and he likes the indulgence of the material world, well, let's just appease him with gifts. He also goes and separates his camp into two. lest uh, He has to fight, then at least one camp will be saved while the other camp would engage in, in fighting. And, of course, we know that he enters into prayer and he fights. Metaphorically, the angel of Esau the night before. He leaves wounded, but um, he tries to overcome the spiritual power of Esau. But lo and behold, when Esau actually meets up with Jacob, Jacob, it's a form of reconciliation. Um, And one of the things that Esau says is that, I'm done. I'm not arguing with you anymore. I recognize you as my brother. I recognize you know, the, the the whole framework of how things should be. Let us make peace and let us go together and settle the land as was supposed to be. Now, just as in a parenthesis, Esau was supposed to be the fourth forefather of the Jewish people. We had Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. And that's why we have Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. Leah was supposed to marry Esau. But because Esau made a conscious choice to throw and throw off the shackles of the responsibility of leading a godly life, um, Leah cried and prayed. Um it said her eyes were dim from from the amount of copious tears she shed in not wanting to marry um Aesop. And what actually happened is both her and her sister marry Yaakov, who takes on the burden of both his own wife and the wife of who was supposed to be his brother. Having said that, let's go back to the point of Asaph and Yaakov meeting. Asaph says to Yaakov, let's go together and let's settle the land together. I'm back on board. I am perif- I'm obviously paraphrasing, but we will get to those verses somewhere along the line. What is what is Jacob's Jacob's response? Jacob's response is, my family is young and we are slow and we can't get there fast enough. You go ahead and I will meet you there. Um, and Esav agrees with that and off he goes in a spirit of reconciliation and peace and he, he moves on. And our is go and teach that this was and this was a moment where what our forefathers were doing were actually a sign for the future. In that there will be this terrible um, relationship between Aesab and the Jewish people all the way to the end of days where we will have caught up with the the the, the 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 Christian world so to speak and there will be a reconciliation. So to sum it up, at the end of time, in terms of biblical story, Yishmael makes peace with Yitzhak. And gives reverence to Yitzhak and says, "We're here together to bury our father Abraham." And Asaph makes peace with Yaakov and goes on his way and waits to make to for, for Yaakov to catch up. Now, um, what's very very interesting is that if we look now macrocosmically as how the Arab and the the Christian world and the Jewish world interacted, the relationship, we will see that from the time we went into the various exiles, it in fact was a, quite a fractious time. All right, Most of the exiles were either um, done by crusaders, by, by inquisitions, by all sorts of historical uh, times and spaces where the Jews suffered at the hands of the Christian world, and were um, invited and then uninvited into its many lands. And similarly, when it came to the Arab world, for a for a long, long time, the Arabs had um, dominion, so to speak, on the land that the the Christians had thrown the Jews out of, um, and the Jews became this 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 wandering nation. And right up until very very recently, we still saw the factitious hatred. That uh, that 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 the Arab world, in particular, showed when it came to making peace with the Jewish people, and this was really a, a, a play out of uh, the the biblical story, that for the most of their lives, Yishmael and Esau lived in a state that was divorced from the 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 peace and the harmony that was envisioned by Abraham, later Yitzhak, later Yaakov, and it was only much later that they came around. What we've been seeing now, interestingly, on the world's platform, is that there has been an absolute turnaround, both from the Western world and from the Arab world, in terms of understanding that we all can and should live in peace and harmony, as was envisioned by Abraham. That each and every human being, irrespective of race, color, or creed, is created in the image of God, that we all have one sovereign, that is God, and that we can, in our diversity, live in a space of cooperation, of of love, of friendship, and of sharing of resources, Without us, you know, saying this is what's mine's mine and what's yours yours and maybe I'll make war and throw you out and I'll conquer you and I'll bash you and, and everything that went on for so many, many, many thousands of years. And what has actually been playing out unbelievably um, is this now on the world arena. Now let's go to ASAP first, um, because I know this is a very topical subject and uh Again, join the conversation, 34519 or 61 Right now, the head of the Western world is a very ruddy fellow called Trump. Okay, pretty arrogant, um, pretty obnoxious. I think that he has got his uh, forefather's genes, Asa, in that he is a conqueror and he is a dominating character. But what is very, very interesting about him, whether you love him or not, and I actually think it's actually irrelevant to who Trump is as a person, because on a much, much deeper level, on a mystical level, Trump is fulfilling prophecy. And that prophecy is that, he, that the world that he represents has to embrace Brother Jacob once again. And Trump has done that phenomenally well. He was the first president after many, many other presidents who have promised but never brought to, to the table, the first president to recognize Israel, to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, to recognize the Golan Heights, to move the embassy, to do all of those things that show a reconciliation of brothers. When Isaac blessed um, Jacob and Esau, um one of part of the prophecy was that there will be this swing up and down, when Jacob was down, Esau will be dominant, and when Esau is dominant uh, is is down, um, uh, Jacob would be dominant. But there comes a point in time where just like Jacob met Esau and he said, let's go together and build a new future, that that actually happens, and that, my friends, is happening right now. There is a tremendous reconciliation. And even more than that, quite astoundingly, um, while we were watching the the peace process on the the the, the social media and then on the news feeds this week, one thing that happened prior to to the this whole peace accord was that Trump sat down and he gave Netanyahu the key to the White House. Now, I find that exceedingly um like mind-boggling and very, very significant. A nice gesture, yes, you can say. A gesture of friendship, yes, you can say. But never in American history or in any history whatsoever was there that bond of friendship or of mutual cooperation like there is now. And for him to symbolically give the key to the White House for, for me, just rang very, very true of Biblical prophecy insofar as this was Brother Aesop, red, rugged, arrogant Brother Aesop, actually acknowledging and um, coming out now with the idea that we are brothers and we need need to work together. So I find that highly significant. And, and actually quite mind-boggling and quite, uh, quite, quite, uh, in, in a sense, gobsmacking that, that this is actually happening in our times. And simultaneously, Asap has helped brother Yishmael come to the party as well. And now we see two very significant Arab countries, the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain acknowledge that the many, many years of hatred, of relentless hatred, and in a sense, um, none. Um, I'm trying to find, try to find the right word. It, it was, it was inconceivable hatred. Why people would create such a hatred within themselves and their children, one with another, that that was something of the past, and that relations need to be renegotiated. And brought together in a spirit of friendship And brotherhood And so just as we entered into 5781 in the week before We have some Very very significant Shifts um, In the world Which very much Portrays what happened Biblically in the Verses that we study As stories of the Bible But in fact microcosmically Are now blooming up out, outwards, macrocosmically On the world On the world arena And I think that there's Much more to come And I think that this is now Doing something much, much Greater to the world This, the, These shifts of The United States of America And many other countries who are going to follow I know that uh, there are certain Countries that have agreed um, That the, the, they're going to be moving their embassies to Israel. As we as we move along, um, you will you will see that uh, there will be more and more people coming along for the peace process. More and more people moving their embassies to Israel. There's another huge huge shift happening. And uh, I don't know if anybody is seeing it out there. Again, would love your thoughts on three four five one nine or zero six one eight nine five. 1019. What do you see as the most major shift if you could not leave 50,000 feet, but actually zoom out even more to 100,000 feet? What is happening there um, and what is um, what is really happening to the world? Because I think that that is something that is very, very significant. We're going to go for a little bit of a break and uh, have that discussion shortly. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back. I'm Robertson Adel Kozulski and we're just doing something a little bit different today and we're discussing biblical events in a macrocosmic way. Before the break, we spoke about the fact that our brothers Esau and Yishmael are now joining the Jewish people and are forming new relationships. Now, from a Jewish perspective, our view of a messianic redemption and something that we speak about a lot is not a redemption where we are causing you to change yourself or we are causing you, or meaning us, that we need to go and kill you if you're an infidel, We need to convert you if you don't believe in what we do. On the contrary, a messianic redemption in Jewish terms is a universal redemption, meaning we are, we recognize that everybody on this planet, Jew and Gentile, um, every color and creed, everybody is created in the image of God. And when a messianic redemption will be ushered into, into this world, meaning a world of peace, of harmony, of brotherhood of friendship of health of everything good that you can think of it's for the whole of humankind and each of us have a role to play in that 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 space and um, again this coming together of our two main brothers and everything they represent is hugely significant but i mentioned just before the break that there was something else that was happening and this is my perception you can disagree or disagree on 34519 or 61 895 um, And that is that the lines between good and evil are now becoming more and more clear. I think coronavirus BCE, before the coronavirus era, whenever we looked at evil, there always was a bit of good. And when we looked at good, there was always a bit of evil. What do I mean by that? Many people did lots of things that were good in this world, but many times they were tinged with a little bit of negative in it, meaning that maybe you gave a lot of money to charity, but that was because then there was a plaque on the wall saying that you had donated the building. You know, Maybe you went out and you did an incredible drive, but you got unbelievable coverage, Um, and that brought a little bit of arrogance and a little bit of haughtiness, etc., etc. So people did unbelievably good things, in their lives, but it was always te- tinged with a little bit of uh, self-indulgence or self-aggrandizement or of, of that sort. So there was a little bit of a mixture on the flip side. When you looked at the negative, there was the negative, and the negative came out, but there always was something good about it. Somebody always found some, some type of extenuating circumstance that went and said, they did that, yes, it's wrong, but... You know, remember they, they, they were brought up like this, or they, they, they didn't know any better, or whatever it was. What's happening to the world, um, according to my perspective, and again, it's only my perspective, and I'm not a prophet, and I'm not a hearsayer, and I'm not a seer, and I'm not any of these things, is that there seems to be now a distillation of good and bad. If you're good, you're really good, and if you're not, well, you're not either, meaning... I think this whole COVID ep- epidemic has brought about a a goodness and kindness that comes from a, the stirring of a person's heart without landing up, coming into the newspapers and without making the headlines and without getting the plaque on the wall. People have galvanized unbelievably. The ordinary people of this world have galvanized and have gone out and extended themselves way beyond, I think, any other time in history. Um in 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 doing acts of goodness and of kindness and of, of of assisting and saying thank you and please and and just taking of whatever it is that they've got and giving to others in a way that is immeasurable. Not n- 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 there would be not enough space on social media to go around and document everybody's acts of charity, of kindness, of goodness that they've done. And people have also turned around their relationships. And people have turned around things that are not going to make the, the news headlines. And, and that's been unbelievably wonderful. And at the same time, I think that whatever we look at as evil, as destructive, as demeaning to the human spirit, as contrary to what is expected of us, is really being in our face a lot. And so we are seeing, we are seeing social revolution of, again, ordinary people calling the shots now to those the powers that be, that one cannot act this way, one cannot take away people's rights, one cannot take away people's um, um, right to exist and to be respected and and to move forward. So evil is evil, and anything that is evil is cracking at the seams, and anything that is good is just proliferating unbelievably. Where does that leave us? that now leaves us in a world where I believe there will come a tipping point where the good will be so good that there will be no more evil. Slowly but surely, we are seeing the assassination of evil and anybody representing evil. Um, and a, a, a stand-up of nations um, who believe in the good of people going and saying, we're not interested in this nonsense anymore, we're not interested in, uh, the bullying that, that you're doing and you need to either rip right or ship out because that's not the world that we're trying to correct. Again, if you, you, you look at the peace accords, um, and this is like pretty interesting because when you look at the Middle East conflict, the conflict was one that was, as I said, very factitious and there was a tremendous amount of hatred the turning around of Ishmael and uh, the, the bond and the agreements that were signed last week on the White House lawn, and which we hope will see many, many more people coming onto the side of good, the side of peace and, and, and brotherhood. What you're seeing now is that in truth, in a, a lot of the Middle East, there was no negative, there was no evil, so to speak, amongst the people. It was either a government that imposed that on the people, or even more, it was certain entities within the, the country that took hold of the people and the government and bullied them. And I'm speaking about none other than Iran and their proxies. Okay, Iran is a source of evil in this world. There is no question about it. The Iranian people, they are suffering tremendously under this, this, this totalism, this, 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 this hatred government. Okay? So, there is the pity of the people of Iran who need to be released from this crazy government. But Iran has had its, its tentacles in Hamas, in Hezbollah, in all these, in ISIS, in all these, uh, terrorist groups that have actually wreaked havoc on good people. The people of Lebanon are good people. They're law abiding, loving people, but they have been traumatized and they have been um jailed by Hezbollah that has infiltrated into their country. The people of Gaza are people who want peace and they want they, they, they want love and they want brotherhood, they want they want work, they want health. But Hamas has taken over and they have their are tied and they cannot function. And so what, what we are seeing actually is the, the the governments that are able are able to throw off the shackle of these um, of this evil access and are saying we don't want this anymore we want peace we want brotherhood we want friendship we want collaboration we want for both nations to 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 have what's good in this world and like Ishmael and want um, we, we want to come back and that's Pretty, pretty interesting. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. As always, when you're having fun, the time flies, and so I don't have too much time more to uh, discuss this in, in in depth. But to say that I think that we are very much um, at a, a a pivotal point. In history, and I know there was a lot of talking about pivoting, about uh, companies having to change and people having to change what they do because the world is changing. Well, the world is changing, and it's changing not only on a personal level, which is very, very important, and I think that's one of the lessons of COVID, is that we needed internal change for each and every individual before you will have world change. But certainly, world change is happening, and five, seven, eight, one arena, which stands for Let This Year Be a Year Where We'll See Incredible, Wondrous Things Happening. Um, it's certainly pointing that way that there might be quite a lot of turbulence and still a lot of upsets in, in the world, but all of this is because we are birthing a new reality. And I want to leave you with a message that in this birthing of this reality, it's not only to the Trumps and the Tanyahu's and uh, the Bahrainians of this world to make that happen, but that each and every single one need to play our part. We need to continue looking at ourselves and asking ourselves, what is it that I can do different? Who am I and why am I here on this planet? And what can I contribute in a meaningful, meaningful way? That will help us um not only personally, but it will help the world at large, because as they say, when you change yourself, you do change the world. So that's a little bit of food of thought. Food for thought. Um, We're in the 10 days of repentance now. We've been written down, please God, for a, a, a year of redemption, a year of health, a year of happiness. We do have Um, ten days, or we're actually on the third day, we have seven, eight more days until Yom Kippur next week, which means I won't be on air, but we have that time to be deliberate about the decisions we make and the direction that we will take. And remember, if that each and every single one of us just moves a degree, then down the line we will have moved many degrees, we'll have moved 90 degrees, 180 degrees, and brought this world to what. Abraham really wanted, and that was a world of peace and harmony, health, brotherhood and friendship. So to all the listeners out there, I wish you gemar khatimatava. May we all be sealed for a wondrous, beautiful, healthy year ahead, and may each and every single one of us understand that we are here for a purpose and that may we understand what that purpose is and bring it into fruition this year. Shana tovah.